If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Hello and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Welcome, welcome. Before we dive into today's episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you do your listening, and leave a five-star review. It helps people find our podcast, just like you, so that way they can get some good new book recommendations for their TBR. We're also on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are at ProBookNerds, and you can email professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com with questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes. With that, I have Emma with me. Emma, hi. Hi, Joe. Today is an episode that I think Emma is very excited for and that I know all of you are excited for. I'm extremely excited that I mostly just badgered you enough into reading the things that I like so that we can discuss (laughs) them on the podcast. Hey, all for the sake of content. And I've read a lot of really good books this way. So... Following Joe Reads a Big Romance, where I read Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune, we asked if y'all would like to see Emma do a version of that, which we did when Emma read Jackal. We also saw a lot of you comment that you'd like to see me do this again. And one that really stuck out to us, and one that, of course, Emma was also pushing for, was exactly what we're doing today, where I read an Emily Henry book. Yes. So let's dive in. and. Tell folks how we decided which book. Okay. So this is where I was like, okay, Emma, I'll do whatever you say. Please stop threatening me. I just have one demand. It can't be too sad. My choice was entirely based on like, I need one that's not too emotional. It can have like the typical Hallmark arc to it. I just can't have big sad because that would that would be it for me. Yeah. And what's interesting, though, is like Emily Henry books have a lot of emotion. Yes. And I know that that's been a critique by some that they're too, they're not enough romance. They're too Mm -hmm. emotional. Like there's too, as an example, Happy Place talks too much about like grief. Sure. Or like how to resolve all of the grief that comes with, you know, these things as you get older and things change, whatever. And so I tried to pick one from her catalog that had those things that you're working through. It obviously makes you feel, but hopefully wasn't too sad. No, this was delightful. So I guess we should stop dancing around it. I read book lovers by Emily Henry, uh, Truly, it was a joy, and we'll get into that. I I did not feel at all like it was very emotional. It definitely had me curious to try other books by her because I, when you said that this was kind of like the most neutral on emotion, I was like, 
okay, cool. I can handle, I can handle this. But then it made me wonder, oh, did I pitch it wrong that like, maybe I was afraid of any type of like big, you know, like I love the idea of dealing with grief to move forward. I feel like there's a lot of that in Meet Me at the Lake. I'm so sorry, listeners, that I have such a tiny uh, catalog of reference in this department, but, you know, use what you know. I think there's a lot of grief and processing grief in that book. And that was something that I really enjoyed about it. And maybe this just means that Emily Henry books are for me. If the story is focused on overall characters, more so than like we bumped into each other in the small town and now I'm the heiress of a, of a lumberjack land. So I don't know. (laughs) I'm like book lovers is so good. Book lovers is so good. And I think another reason that we thought this would be a good pick is obviously all of the commentary to the book industry, to publishing, which we are adjacent to. We know a good amount about how these things work. And, you know, as readers and book lovers, this, why wouldn't this be the one that we picked? I think another reason we picked this when we were talking about it is because of the angle, the Hallmark movie angle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's like the classic Hallmark movie trope where a guy from the big city goes to a small town somewhere to, to, he has to, Right, he has to go home for the weekend and check on his parents. Yeah, save the family business or do whatever. And then he meets a young lady who owns a bakery or <laughs> runs an inn. Yep. Um, and he calls his big city girlfriend to dump her because he's fallen in love with said inn owner. Um, and then this perspective, Nora's perspective, the main character here, she is that big city girl that that these fellows tend to to dump. Um, so we liked that. Yeah. When you pitched the premise to me, I was immediately sold because I think it's such a cool concept to take the perspective of the big city girlfriend, because I I think it's always a little reductive in Hallmark movies where they just make the big city girlfriend a villain. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way Nora is a villain in this. Like, there's no way that she has villainous tendencies. Uh, it, the, you know, these men are just fallen for Christmas tree wreath store owners. <laughs> like, it, right. it just happens. I guess I could give a, a quick description of book lovers if y'all haven't read it. So we follow Nora Stevens. Her life is books. She's read them all, and she's not that type of heroine. Not the plucky one, not the laid-back dream girl, and especially not the sweetheart. In fact, the only people Nora is a heroine for are her clients, for whom she lands enormous deals as a cutthroat literary agent, and her beloved little sister, Libby. No relation to us. Which is why she agrees to go on a trip to Sunshine Falls, North Carolina, for the month of August when Libby begs for her sister's trip away. With visions of a small-town transformation for Nora, she's convinced that Nora needs to become the heroine of her own story. But instead of picnics in meadows or run-ins with handsome country doctor, bulging four-armed bartender, Nora keeps bumping into Charlie Lastra, a bookish, brooding editor from back in the city. It would be a meet-cute if not for the fact that they've met many, many times before, and it's never been cute. If Nora knows she's not an ideal heroine, Charlie knows he's nobody's hero. But as they are thrown together again and again in a series of coincidences no editor worth their salt would allow, what they discover might just unravel the carefully crafted stories they've written about themselves. Like, what a killer description. It's so great. 
And so upon first sight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what were your thoughts? Like you knew some of the context. You've seen this book before. Oh, yeah. What were your initial thoughts? So for me, the first thing when I see an Emily Henry book is always the cover because I'm like, yep, I know this is an Emily Henry book. Like they all look the same, which is not a critique or like a complaint because I I do think they're beautiful. I can picture beach reads. I can picture happy place. Like Emma's shifting off screen to find her copies and pull them up. I know who this book is at a glance. And I love that. I, I am a sucker for solid branding. And this is a great example of branding. Like her books all belong together. Then upon reading that description, and then your added context of like, she is the girl who always gets dumped back in the big city and falling in love in a small town or like the small town story. I was intrigued like this to me from that description feels like, oh, there are zero stakes. Like this is as light as a Hallmark movie and absolutely nothing's going on. That was my first impression. Like if I'm being flat out honest, that was my first impression. There was nothing much more to it than that description is what I would have assumed. And I know. And I think that's good because as a newer romance Mm -hmm. reader, I am always interested. I mean, I'm not like, I act like I've been reading romance my whole life. I also have not, I came to romance five years ago, Okay, but what, what draws you in initially about these types of books that I think are usually sort of I don't know. People feel weird about romance. They're like, they're over there and the romance books look like that. But I'm always interested right. to know what draws people in who historically aren't necessarily picking up these books. I'm also finding that that I think there is a big, there is a, there is a lot of that kind of bias in my brain that, and I'm sure I've said it before, that romance books are just the like the paperbacks with the the Highlander in a kilt on the cover and a woman splayed out in a giant dress mm-hmm. looking over like the cliff's edge. You know, that is to me what a romance is. It's got the double hearts on the side of the binding in the library. Like, mm-hmm. and if it's not that, it's Danielle Steele. And I don't even know if Danielle <laughs> Steele writes romance. Like she does. <laughs> those are my two concepts of romance. The cheesy, it's just smut. And yeah. it's like you get them for a nickel at the the checkout line, or it's Danielle Steele. And I have found with everything that I've read this year, romance wise, all but one, I I did pick up one of those cheesy little smut ones to try too. I do find that what I appreciate most is just the straight up literature approach to writing. That I'm like, when I read a book like meet me at the lake or book lovers i go this is this is literature romance is just another genre like it it, you know yes there is other like you can go into subgenres of romance where you will find the the erotic and the supernatural and the whatever but like it's just another signifier in the same way that not every mystery is a cozy mystery i i think that's a bit of like the unpacking i've had to do and so diving into these i just really appreciate the world building, the character building, the overall story shape and structure. I think the narratives are so compelling. Like, I, I don't mean that to sound like, oh, I wasn't expecting that from a romance book. But like, I think we build up so much in our minds. So that's something of my own to break down. But 
No, but I think that that's a good point because obviously when you approach a genre that you don't normally read, I think this applies for any genre, you come to it with your preconceived notions about what you're going to find in that book or in that genre. Science fiction and fantasy. I expect names I can't pronounce Mm -hmm. and a lot of chapters of world building that I won't recall. (laughs) Exactly. Like the first hundred pages will just be world building and nothing will make sense. Right. But yeah, I think that that's true. And so I do like to recommend Emily Henry books for this reason, because they are romance. They do have, spoiler alert, happily ever after, as is a staple trait of the genre. You are not a romance if you don't have that, or you're just a love story. Um, But her books are a little bit more, right, like contemporary. Yeah. Literature. There are things that you're working through. There are things that these characters are working through. There are the friendship dynamics, the family dynamics. They're processing things while they're falling in love. The story is a story. It is not, this is the tale of how we fell in love in three days. Like this. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of family drama. It's a bit of personal growth and development. Like, there's there's layers to it. It's like what you expect from any story. Exactly. Except yeah. you know that, and, and like, I think personally, my favorite thing that I have found about the romance genre is that it comes with happily ever after. Like that is, and once again, I text you as I was right at the end and I'm like, I just, I don't know if they're going to get together or not. And I know you call it romance, so they have to, but what if they don't this time? <laughs> like. I know. I I even like, I like that, but I also like knowing that I don't have to stress myself out because if I were to complain about a Hallmark movie for a minute, I hate the third act. uh, uh, Same way I felt about this. Like, I, although this one, perfect third act conflict, like, right. Mm -hmm. It gave me no stress or agitation, but I hate the moment in a movie when they have to break up for five minutes because there was a misunderstanding. And if we just had better communication, everything would be fine. Like, I hate that with my whole being because it just makes me so uncomfortable that I can't enjoy like the end part so if I find myself like tuning out a little bit when it gets rocky in a romance book I can then go well I know it's going to be okay in the end (laughs) right have those guarantees in all movies like you do with true romance right and I think that that's where people really lean into their tropes that they enjoy mm-hmm. because I think for you as an example, I think second chance romance would stress you out because they've already been together and broken up. Yes. And so like what what stakes are high, like what obstacles could they have forced like overcome, but that it's believable that they didn't just like brush all their problems under the rug. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I think you would lean into the tropes in the genre that you really enjoy. So that you're able to get out of it the bits that you want. Yes. You are spot on. Second chance romance would kill me. Uh, But I do love enemies to lovers, which is definitely what we have here. I I, I would almost call this rivals to love. I don't know that I call them enemies. But yeah, like certainly in that like they initially did not like each other. They had a a rude interaction. So more like rivals or like, again, they just, they, they, they saw each other met and no part of them wanted to (laughs) 
continue anything on with that person again. Right. Another thing I would say about Emily Henry's writing is I appreciate that everything is soft, if that makes sense. Like all of the edges are rounded, you know, like we don't want to say enemies to lovers because they didn't really feel like enemies, but they definitely like we've all met someone who are like, well, I have a, a, a dash of animosity toward this interaction. But right, like I said, the stakes were high, but not too high that it was stressful. I just... You know, so I have to read more to see if if that's kind of like her writing overall. But I I really appreciated the the rounded edges, no sharp corners of this writing. Like strong, amazing storytelling, wonderful writing, um, like all of these things, but also in the package that I want them delivered in. <laughs> yeah, and Sydney and I talk about this on the fandoms episode a little bit, but she is also Emily Henry is also the queen of like witty banter and just really sharp conversation. And I think that that is also just so pleasant to read in her books where you are simultaneously like kicking your feet and kind of like squealing and glee. But then also, right. There are those emotional moments where you're like, Oh my Uh, gosh. (laughs) She writes brilliant dialogue like witty banter back and forth that i i feel like i'm finally learning how to understand and identify cringe um and mm-hmm. at no point does she give me cringe but there have been a couple things i've read lately where i'm like <laughs> to the point where i had to make a new tag in libby that i just went oh no cringe like that things had to get filed in that i was just like yikes I want to know those books off <laughs> off air. <laughs> yes. But there's there's just something about like do people really talk like this versus where she's she does have me go like I'm on the laying on my stomach on the bed like feet up kicking in the air talking on the phone going no you stop like that's it's the vibe. Yeah, and so for your experience, did you do ebook or audiobook? Emma, you know the answer to this. You did audio, I'm sure. Of course I did. And so Queen Julia Julia. Whalen. Yep. Mm -hmm. Julia. (sighs) Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I mean, lovely person. Brilliant narrator. Yeah. Her ability to do voices in such a compelling way. And the fact that, like, in our interview with her, her voice is her voice. And so there were moments where, like, Occasionally, Julia popped in, but for the most part, this whole ride, it was just Nora. It was these different, it was Nora, it was Charlie, it was, you know, and like, ah, she's, she is, you know, right up there with as good as it gets. Yeah. So did you, I'm like, what, so what did you, we talked about this a little bit. What did you enjoy 
the most out of book lovers? I think first and foremost, I enjoyed the experience. Now, this is not a long audiobook, but there were several times while listening that like just listening, like I think I took a whole month or a month and a half to listen to this book because I was not ready for it to end. So I would listen to like these long swaths of it and then I'd go, I can't be done yet. And I would stop. I would start a different audiobook. I'd pick up another book that I had to read or wanted to read. And I would switch to something else because I wanted to sink back into this book. So I en- I just enjoyed the experience overall, number one. Um, Julia's narration, number two, like that's strong right up there. And then three, it's the setting. Like I love this small town, Airbnb, like beautiful cabin kind of sitch. So the the setting played a really big part for what I love because I, I think there's like an aspirational part in my brain where I want that life too, where I want like a second home that I can summer off to when I want or when I need a break and work remote from there kind of thing. So I, I think that really stood out to me. And then I, uh, spoilers, we've done this with all of the other ones we've done. There will be spoilers. The ending. I mean, if the whole ride wasn't as good as it could be already. The ending was perfect because at the end of the day, no one had to give up what they love or who they are for, like, it was believable. So the story goes that they're in this small town. Uh, she runs into her rival. At, she runs into a rival who is an editor, Charlie. They, it turns out his family not only owns the rental house that her and her sister are staying in, but also the bookstore in town that is the only place with Wi-Fi where she can go to work. And so they're always spending time together. And then the tension builds and then they're kissing and then, oh no, we can't do this. And she's saying it for professional reasons. And he's saying it for the big reveal at the middle or the big reveal toward the end that shocker, he's leaving his job and he's going to stay in the small town to run the bookstore. And, you know, like by the time we get to that reveal, you believe that they love each other. You believe that this relationship is happening. And when that reveal comes, you go, no, you can't stay here. You'd be so unhappy. And, but then you also find, depending on what kind of like guilt you've got inside yourself going, but sometimes that's just what you have to do. And and you're you're along for the ride and her sister is there and this whole time you've got this misdirective thinking that her sister who already has two kids and is pregnant with a third on the way is going to divorce her husband no shocker turns out she's moving to this small town and she wanted to bring her sister Nora here to convince her that this is a good place and Nora can't imagine life outside of the city and she also can't imagine the city without Charlie in it and you know so they pack everything up and they get it all together and you know she's back in the city and Charlie's in the small town and her sister's in the small town and it's her mom's birthday and she's doing the tradition that her sis- her and her sister have done you know their whole lives and her sister says oh well did you get my present yet and who is there but Char- Charlie's there he's there and he's moving back because her sister took over the store because she's going to be family one day and uh, her parents were okay with family running the business. So it's just like, like it's just this beautiful unwrapping of everything. But like that ending, that moment when you're like, well, 
I truly at one point found myself going, maybe the happy, the happy ending in this case is that she's happy in her own self and in her own life doing the choices that make her happy for once instead of what make everyone else happy or safe. And I was like, I could be satisfied with that ending, but wow, that's tough. And then there he is. And I go, of course there he is. (laughs) I know. Okay. And so I'm going to read a quote because I think it encompasses the feelings. And if you've never read Emily Henry, I guess this will either entice you to do so or it will have spoiled. Well, it spoils nothing. Anyways, um, but at the very end, when they're sort of hemming and hawing through these things, they know that these are challenges ahead of them. And we haven't quite gotten to the surprise Charlie reveal. It's that maybe love shouldn't be built on a foundation of compromises, but maybe it can't exist without them either. Not the kind that forces two people into shapes they don't fit in, but the kind that loosens their grip always leaves room to grow. Compromises that say there will be a U-shaped space in my heart, and if your shape changes, I will adapt. No matter where we go, our love will stretch out to hold us, and that makes me feel like like everything will be okay. Come oh, on, it's so good. It's it's really so good. Oh, good. I it's really also, good. I also just want to throw out there, like following that. Uh, Book Lovers was Goodreads Choice Award winner for Best Romance of 2022, and it has a 4.15 star rating out of 931,000 ratings. Like, that's unheard of, I feel like. It's and a lot. there's 108,000 reviews, and they're all just, like, beautiful. One of which is mine. Of course. Five stars. Oh, Yeah. Smart, sexy, quick-paced. I laughed a lot and felt a lot. I picked up this book hoping it would get me out of a reading rut, and it did, only to put me back in a new rut. I didn't want this book to end. March yep. 5th, 2002. Mm-hmm. 2022. 2002. Emma knew 20 years in advance. Emma confirmed time traveler? Question <laughs> mark. No, yeah, it's good. I mean, right. And it's got all those elements. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It's got small towns. It. You know, it's got the big city tropes. And then the ending is just so lovely because obviously a large obstacle is like, we don't live in the same place. We don't live in the same place. They both have preconceived notions about long distance relationships because they've both basically been the villain Mm -hmm. girlfriend in every Hallmark movie where they're dumped for someone else or something better. Like, yeah. And, but right. And so this, I do enjoy it with her books. So this resolution feels realistic. It wasn't that that obstacle just suddenly vanished. It was that their people around them and themselves figured out a way to make it work. Exactly. That's what's so great about this story is that when the barriers are presented as barriers, it is not like when someone is giving you, a, they say, I want to break up. And then they give you a list of reasons why they want to break up, but they're just like generic things or like things that could be worked out. It's truly just the like, I, the, the obstacles are actual obstacles that do seem insurmountable to both of them. And the resolution is realistic. I mean, I know my quick description of the lead up to this didn't do it justice, but Nora's sister makes a list of things that they have to do. It's like the hallmark checklist, basically. And one of those is save a local business. So in order to keep her sister, who she doesn't know what she's going through, happy and thriving in what she thinks is kind of like a rundown small town, 
she's like, let's get her on this save a local business train, which happens to be Charlie's family bookstore. And so her sister has put in so much time to build up this place and has put her energy and her love into it. And so when it hits the point where his parents are saying, we think you two are going to be married anyway. So her sister will be family eventually. It's not just the like, oh yeah, we can easily solve that by we changed our minds of something we've never wanted to do and hired someone like the, the setup is reasonable. It's believable. It's realistic. And yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing of like, when you meet a New Yorker who is a true New Yorker, anyone who is from a city where they're like, I can't imagine living anywhere else it would be unimaginable to think of Charlie stuck there or also thinking of Nora trying to compromise and go be in the small town. They'd both be miserable. So not to spend too much time talking about the negative or the critique, Mm -hmm. but I am interested if there is anything in this that you didn't like. You didn't like when it ended, which is is such a cheesy answer (laughs) that I don't feel like I've ever gotten the chance to say but like I didn't like when it ended I know I had the complaint in uh meet me at the lake about the the sex scenes and the romance I had complaints there because in my opinion there it felt disjointed in this it's incredibly seamless at no point did I go like that wasn't a believable setup or how it happened like this this felt like how it goes (laughs) this seemed realistic to me so no complaints on that. It's not just like Joe likes everything about romance, but but the sexy parts. Like no, this one this one was definitely my speed. Um, I don't think I am a closed door fade to black as I thought I was. Now that I'm a few books deep, but so no, I I don't really think I have any. I don't think I have any dislikes other than when it ended. And I was like, I it's too soon for me to start it over. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's interesting because as we've discussed in a in these types of episodes now, like there are certain things that work or don't work for us as readers and are not necessarily like a critique on the book. Not a critique of the work, just a critique of like my enjoyment of it. Yeah, exactly. So I will say, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could reread this book. Yeah. Um, because because I, I mean, everyone knows at this point, I'm a big rereader. I'm a big comfort rereads, all of that. I have not hit the point where I've tried to reread a mo- romance since they're both from this year. Mm-hmm. But I guess I could see myself reading Meet Me at the Lake again. And so I could probably reread this one again too. I just haven't gotten to the point where it's time to try that yet because now I'm definitely like, they have catalogs that I want to read through to see if I enjoyed them as much as like the first one. So I'd rather spend the time reading more Emily Henry or more Carly Fortune at this point than trying to enjoy them again. Yeah. So that was my next question is like, would you then you'd be inclined to pick up more books by Emily Henry and see what what's out there? Definitely. I think I'm, I think that's the plan number one, but I'm going to have to ask you first and be like, Okay, but like, what's the sad in this one? You know, if it's grief, grief I can handle. But if it's like dramatic death happening during it, eh, I don't know, I could probably still handle that. But, you know. Right. There was the part of me that like, oh my God, her sister's got traumatic news to reveal. Is her sister dying? Is this going to be like a, you know, I I don't want like a my sister's keeper. I I want like a, I was fine with the stakes like this. They could be amped up a little bit more, 
but there is a point where I still can't handle too big on the sad just because I I need the I need the escapist approach to books I think yeah uh, I I like a happy I like a different world and not that there aren't stakes in our world I just no but I I think that that's fair because and this is interesting so like this is why I liked when we chat about what you're looking for out of a book and I'm like oh yeah. let me tell you which Emily Henry to read is because right of the this exact reason that you're reading books for different reasons. What you want out of it could be different than somebody else. And so, like I recently read a romance that I thought was so great. I loved it. Recommended it to one of our friends and colleagues. They started it and they were like, "Oh, this was the point that I am having issues with," you know. Oh. And I was like, "Oh," because like it didn't. It didn't occur to me that that would be something that would bother them or that would bother readers, but duh. Yeah. And so that's why I like to talk it out with you or with whoever, you know, we're sort of chatting and recommending books because then you're like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. yeah, this, this book might not be for you because of this, but I think you would enjoy, you know, this other book from them because it doesn't have that, you know. Yeah. issue or or commentary or, or whatever that was right. um right and so like if you don't you are interested in reading certain ones where there is family drama or the whatever but it's like a specific kind of family drama yes um, versus yeah. like things you want to avoid i think that's why it's important we talk about those things and then you can kind of cater the recommendation Definitely. because right because um, you and i like to be thoughtful recommendation yeah. givers and yeah. You know, some people will just be like, this was so good. And they just blanket recommend it. So you you got to watch out every once in a while. But like, of course, I want to read Beach. I believe you've also told me is like the saddest one. Yeah, it's really sad. Well, no, Beach Read is quite sad. And that's where I'm like, hmm, how do I say? How do I say? Because like, at the end of the day, I think I just need to dive in. I, I, to answer your question, yes, I'm going to read more Emily Henry. I think I could dive in because there is a happy ending. I think there's just the amount of like, ooh, I don't want it to be oppressive. It can be right. heavy, but I don't need it right. to be like too heavy. Right. And so I think that, yeah. And then the other thing of that is like, right, if you try it and it's not for you, then piv- like then you pivot and you're like, this really bothered me. I'm going to pivot to something else right now because I, I'm not, not going to enjoy this. And I think it's also the like, I think there will come a point where I read all of her books. Mm-hmm. I think it may just be jumping through them depending on where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, exactly. On on what the right fit is. And I think that we've talked about that a lot is that sometimes you are not in the right space for the book. Yeah, at which is whatever that regard it's so, like genre agnostic yeah. it is truly yeah yeah you're just you not gonna be you can't scare place. yourself you can't you know do whatever yeah well i'm so glad you had a positive experience reading emily henry me too thank you for this and listeners thank you for indulging us in doing this again uh it's it's been a lot of fun it's it is fun to get to know you even better by what you like to read uh at this point you've seen the post on instagram that i am currently listening to the graphic audio version of a court of thorns and roses (laughs) 
I may have some pacing critiques so far, but I'm not too far in. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I have to remind myself because I don't read a ton of high fantasy and I would consider this to be a version of high fantasy, not, well, maybe not high fantasy, but this is a version of fantasy that I don't read much of that I have to put myself in a different headspace from where I'm at. So I have to like buckle in for it, but so far I'm enjoying it. And wow. The graphic audio of this is cool. Hearing that arrow just shoot through like, like the bow and the thing as it goes through when she strikes down the wolf in the beginning very cool. With that said, we do want to hear from y'all. What do you, do you like this series? Well, we know you like it, but like, do you want us to keep doing this? And what would you like to see us do next? What should Emma read? What should I challenge her with? Is there something that we should both read for the first time together and apply these questions to that? The kind of like, what were your thoughts upon seeing this book and what does the cover evoke and how did you read it? Yeah. Like, is there something we should tackle? Let us know. Pro book I, nerds book club. <laughs> Pro book nerds book club. I love that idea. Yeah. So professional book nerds at overdrive.com send those suggestions through. Emma, thank you for taking me on this journey of Emily Henry and Carly fortune and introducing me to the world of romance reads. I am honestly so happy to be here uh and i'm glad that i was i've never said this but i'm glad i was wrong like that i could immediately break those preconceived notions and just truly find another genre to enjoy i'm so happy that you've been enjoying it and i do think emily henry again is a really great entree into the romance genre for people that don't normally read romance or have no interest in reading romance so definitely i'm glad this is a success case <laughs> yes well Listeners, again, email us. Let us know. You know the genres we read and you know the ones that we don't really. So if there's a book out there that you think that we should start with, we'll go for it. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And as always, happy reading. Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.